Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Katya Walsh. Katya is the Chief Global Strategy and Artificial Intelligence Officer of Levi Strauss and Company, a $4.5 billion revenue clothing manufacturer and retailer of its iconic denim products. In her role, Katya drives the company's digital transformation, combining digital, data, analytics, machine learning, artificial intelligence, strategy, and growth initiatives. I look forward to hearing more about all that that entails from her. Prior to retirement, Levi Strauss, Katya was the Chief Global Data and AI Officer at Vodafone. Katya is also on the board of multiple companies, including that of Securian Financial. Katya, welcome to Technovation. It's wonderful to speak with you today. Thanks for having me, Peter. But first, a quick word from our partner, Adyen, and the company's Chief Operating Officer, Cameron Zaki. Adyen is a payment platform company that allows businesses to accept e-commerce, mobile, and point-of-sale payments, and Cameron wanted to provide a short overview of what Adyen has to offer. Cameron, over to you. Thanks, Peter. It's one global platform on which you can do many continents and countries, all the relevant payment methods, which vary significantly across different parts of the world to online and physical world or mobile. And we've continued to expand from there. If you go to a dinner party and people ask you what you do when you say this, they're like, that sounds like common sense. Why is it unique? The reality is that a lot of the players who've been around for decades have grown on mainframe computing, releasing once or twice a year, buying other companies, and then they give you one API. But behind the scenes, it's a bit of a spaghetti mess, unfortunately. What Adyen did and what we do is sort of really do the backend plumbing that is a little less sexy at times, but really makes the difference in being able to say, hey, it was Peter. Do you know that he you know, shops online and on mobile and in your store and you can recognize him and you can connect all the dots and it's not just enabling the payment, but it's, hey, how do you factor that into loyalty and marketing and all kinds of other use cases? Thanks, Cameron. And now on to the interview. Well, Katya, I, I must begin with your role, which is such an interesting and uh, you know, unusual one across most organizations anyway, perhaps emerging in you know here and there. But talk a bit about your role as Chief Global Strategy and Artificial Intelligence Officer. First of all, kind of an interesting combination of responsibilities. Maybe pick that apart for us and talk a bit bit about each, if you would. Certainly. It is a role that is still unique, and Levi Strauss & Company pioneered this role uh, within the industry, and I would venture to say across any industry. I do believe that this will become more and more prominent because Digital capabilities, data, and artificial intelligence have have to be in service of a company's vision and strategy. So the fusion of strategy and digital technologies and everything that goes with that is a part of life and the nature of every business and organization. So uh, we are simply doing what probably should have been done a long time ago. Talk a bit about, uh, Katya, if you would, about the role of artificial intelligence in an organization like yours. It's a topic that so many people are thinking about, many people are taking action uh, relative to as well. Where are you most excited about the possibilities of artificial intelligence in a setting like yours? Yes, I'm glad you asked that question, Peter. Uh, I imagine that some people think about artificial intelligence and picture robots walking all over the Levi Strauss and company offices and stores. And while that is a part of artificial intelligence, there's so much more to that. We live in a world where we have so many digital products and services. This podcast is an example of a digital service. It is being recorded. Because we are recording it, 
that is giving data, lots and lots of data, all of your podcasts, everything you've written, and it is in a digital format is actually data. All these data then flow and enable artificial intelligence. As you may know, artificial intelligence as a discipline has been around since the 50s, but it's only recently that it became truly possible because of the amount of the data that we have at our disposal today. And in turn, artificial intelligence goes back to the digital products and services we have and makes them smarter for a flywheel effect of digital capabilities, data, and AI. And it's this kind of capability that fuels a modern organization. You cannot have an organization today that it is not that is not using at least some of that in some shape or form. Every company, every business, every organization today is a data and AI company, whether it realizes it or not. It's a striking point, certainly. Very, very important ones to make. Um, talk a bit about how your, your team is organized. You talked a bit about uh, your purview. Do you have teams that operate um, that co-mingle? Uh, do you have two different disciplines that you are or multiple even beyond that, uh, beyond what the title entails uh, under, under your watch? Uh, how is your team organized, please? Well, you have hit on an interesting point because I always say that my team is Levi Strauss and company. I firmly believe that for a company to be digitally transformed, which is what Levi Strauss and company is doing, it has to embrace this notion of cross-functional, cross-market, across the enterprise way of thinking and working together. So yes, I happen to have an organization that reports to me but I work very closely and the people in that organization work very closely with people across the world in numerous functions and countries. And uh, we blur the lines on purpose because we want to make sure that we do not have an artificial separation between a technical expert and a business user. Another thing that I have that I have been cultivating for a while in technology, there is this notion that there's technology and then there's the business. That is actually another fallacy. It is all one and the same. And that is a big reason why I embrace this idea and vision of one team. Very well said. Thank you for, for that explanation. Let's talk a bit about the strategy uh, part of your role. I, I'd love to understand here we, we're having this conversation towards the tail end of uh, 2022. We're anticipating the new year um, uh, soon, of course. Talk a bit about some of the things that are making their way onto your strategic roadmap. Strategy is what drives a business. Um, and we always have to think about it. We are led by that. Uh, for Levi Strauss and Company, our strategic vision is to be and to be seen as the best apparel company in the world, known for its values and brands, which is very much in the DNA of the company. Uh, Levi Strauss and Company um, certainly is an apparel retail uh, company, but is also one of the most valuable brands in the world that signifies even more than a piece of clothing. To me, having grown up in communist Bulgaria, it was a symbol of freedom, of democracy, of the unattainable. And I will never forget the picture of the crumbling burning wall in 1989, and all these youth, young men and women sitting on the top of that wall, 
all dressed in Levi's. This is not something Levi's paid them to do. They were just wearing Levi's because of what it symbolizes. So a company like Levi's has always seen its work as uh, certainly important uh, in terms of doing what's right for its employees and shareholders, but also doing what's right for society and hence the values part. In terms of our business strategy, we're very focused on our direct-to-consumer work. We want to make sure that we foster our connections with our consumers. We want to make sure that we're also very good partners to our wholesale partners. We want consumers fans of Levi's to be able to find us everywhere they are. So that kind of connection with consumer is hugely important to Levi's. Uh, I mentioned that we are digitally transforming the company as well. That is a big part of how we will win and are winning in the marketplace. In addition to fiscal discipline, brand strength, and a lot of other strategic pillars. I really appreciate, especially your the, the personal connection you drew uh, to to the brand long before you worked for the company, and and uh, uh, what a thrill it must have been as a result of uh, some of those memories to to join the organization. Uh, this is a a um, sort of a legendary and and uh, uh, legacy that the organization has, but as with uh, so many companies that have a long legacy, that transformation that's necessary means modernization to a, to a great extent to set a better uh, foundation upon which to continue to build. And especially as we get into topics centered, centered around algorithmic uh, data analysis and so forth, um, having that great foundation becomes all the more important. Can you talk a bit about, um, as you, you speak of digital transformation, some of the ways in which the organization is modernizing that uh, sort of historical footprint to ensure that you have that, that uh, better grounding for the future, if you will? We as an industry are in the midst of a revolution. It is nothing short of that. I know it's a strong word, but that is a fact. Uh, it is an industry that has been traditionally very manual, uh, very analog, very intuitive. Creative is also intuitive. Uh, and what's happening now is across the industry, but particularly at Levi Strauss and Company, we are making what was manual automated, what was analog digital, and what was intuitive precise. There is a whole new notion of the four Ps in business, particularly in a company like Levi's. It used to be price, product, placement, and promotion. Today, it is about a predictive, proactive, personalized and precise experience that we are providing to our consumers all through the fusion of digital capabilities, data and artificial intelligence. And I'm happy to give you some examples if you'd like. I would love that, would you please? Absolutely. Um, so I mentioned how we are transforming what used to be manual to automated. In a legacy company, especially one that will be 170 years next year, there is a lot of stuff that has been manual, a lot of processes, a lot of standard operating procedures, and we are transforming that. We have ways to go, of course, uh, but as one example, we have taken work that used to be done on spreadsheets, always starting from scratch as if that had never been done before. I'm talking about repetitive work that people do as their full-time job, but always starting from scratch in a blank spreadsheet. We have now automated that. We have a live stream 
uh, repository of data that has aggregated all kinds of data sources that had never met in the past. You can imagine the internal data, such as transactional data, our financial information, what we have on our consumers, always with their permissions, of course. But also we have added and enriched this data repository. We call it a data ocean. We have enriched it with a lot of external data from weather and climate to epidemiological models, economic outlook, social media trends. And when you have that, it helps you deliver that kind of precision that I mentioned earlier. Uh, we certainly retain the creativity that comes with an apparel and fashion company. But on top of that, we are adding uh, a type of precision that had never been possible before. For example, demand planning is a highly analytical function in this industry. And again, it used to be done with spreadsheets very manually, regardless of how many times in the past that had been done. Today, our planners are using this kind of repository and our data scientists, along with our planners, demand planners, in, in tandem are creating predictive models that are forecasting with a high level of accuracy how much inventory we should have, in which channel, in which market, at what price, at what point in time. And we're actually dynamically adjusting that based on uh, very fast changing conditions in the economy and the market. Fascinating to, to hear more about the way in which you think about this. Well, Katya, as you describe the various aspects of what you and your team are doing, uh, no doubt there are some pretty profound touch points to customer or consumer experience. Uh, and I wonder if you could take a moment and share some perspectives uh, on that as to how you orient you and your, yourself and your team in, in impacting that. Yes, Peter, that's, I'm so glad you asked this because the essence of a digital transformation is to serve it, a company's customers and to help make a company customer centric. So many companies, particularly legacy companies in the past have been very siloed by the way in which they have been organized or by the products that they have been selling or in some other way. But a modern organization has to be customer centric and technology enables us to do that. And in the case of Levi Strauss and company in particular, our digital transformation is all about the consumer experience. We have this saying that at Levi's, it's all personal, not business. The flip of the typical expression. And it all starts with when a consumer goes to a store or to the website, levi.com, the assortment that we offer is customized based on the particular geography, uh, as specific as the suburb of a particular uh, city. For example, our assortment in the center of Rome is different from the assortment that we offer in the suburbs of Rome because the consumers in proximity of each of those locations are very different from each other. And online, uh, what we offer is quite personalized from the search results that you would see to the recommendations for um, complementary products that you would see. And that's always changing based on everything we learn about the consumer. We also have a very deeply personalized 
loyalty program that has millions and millions of members around the world. And what's unique about that program is that it's not the typical transaction points. It really is about nurturing this base of fans that a brand like Levi's has and providing exclusive benefits, very customized and individualized based on each member of the program. For example, uh, a consumer who is very much into music would get exclusive concert tickets as a, as a benefit compared to another consumer who is very much into sustainability and they'll get a specific session with a tailor in our tailor shops in the store compared to another member who is very much into fashion who would get early access to our newest collections. But I hope that gives you a sense for the attention that we pay to our consumer needs and desires and the emphasis that we place on that using digital capabilities, data and AI. Katya, I also wanted to ask you about artificial intelligence. It's a topic that um, requires a lot of foresight. As I was thinking about the combination of strategy and artificial intelligence, the planning aspects uh, one thinks about from strategy uh, certainly are apt when thinking about artificial intelligence because of potential unintended consequences of, of how one might pursue uh, an AI future. I wonder how you think about that philosophically speaking. Yes, the topic of unintended consequences is very high on our agenda. In fact, um, Bob Hask, who used to be uh, a CEO of Levi Strauss Company in the past, and I have had frequent conversations about that. He's a, a wonderful mind who is always educating himself and always thinking about what does that mean? Um, and we have together been learning a lot, uh, but I'm giving him as an example because he had specifically raised that topic. Um, it is something that's very important. Uh, every company, as it realizes that it is a digital data and AI company also has to think about the socially responsible application of these capabilities and the ethics that that entails. Uh, so at Device Strauss and Company, we have put in place uh, some really important measures when it comes to protecting the privacy and security of our customers, consumers, company, employees, shareholders. Uh, and, but that's a table stakes. Everyone has to do that. We have gone further than that, even when we have not been required by regulation, we have actually implemented the strictest measures, uh, for example, uh, that are required by the general data protection regulation that usually happens in Europe. We have adopted these standards around the world. Same with the California Consumer Protection Act. And we have done that even before we have, and even when we are not required. Uh, but again, more than that, we have put in place certain measures to make sure that we use all this for good. And when it comes to artificial intelligence, it's only as good and its products are only as accurate as the people that work on those products, the data that they use and the tools that they apply. So I firmly believe and Levi's also firmly believes in making sure that we have diverse teams that work on artificial intelligence products. The more diverse the teams, the less likely that there will be a bias in our products. And hence, we are minimizing those unintended consequences. 
We are also using a number of different data sources, as I mentioned earlier. Yes, that is good for the type of precision that I was describing, but also it is one of the ways in which we ensure that our algorithms will be less biased. And finally, we're also using open source tools that by their very nature are more diverse because people around the world are working on them. And in, in that combination, we are not only meeting our diversity objectives, but we are also making sure that we use AI and everything that comes with that in a socially responsible way and preventing unintended consequences. That's a great overview. Thank you again, Katya. You know, as we talk about uh, all the different areas that you are responsible for, uh, in order to breathe life into this, it, it requires uh, great skills, skills that are in, in short supply, I might add. And, and I know a lot of organizations, therefore, must think about not only a, building a great team, but also having a great ecosystem that they can draw upon. Um, and I wonder how you think about that, uh, those aspects that are done internally, how you've curated perhaps some partnerships to help deliver what you've described as well. Um, can you share some perspectives there, please? Well, at Diva Strauss & Company, we have gone beyond curating partnerships in service of our digital transformation. Uh, the company and I have always believed in lifelong learning. So in the past year and a half, we created a digital upskilling portfolio that takes our internal employees around the world across various functions and teaches them digital skills. In particular, I'd like to highlight a machine learning bootcamp that we started in the spring of 2021. Um, it was a bootcamp for a reason. Um, it was not a summer camp. We took 60 people in each class. We have since then had several classes. Uh, we would take 60 people in each class and we would put them in an eight week long program virtually in which they would learn to code. They would learn computer languages. They would learn agile ways of uh, working and they would be using Levi's data to solve Levi's problems. So they would actually be contributing with specific value to how we could solve problems and advance in seizing certain opportunities in this space. But what's even more important here is that we took people who had never seen code before, uh, retail managers in our stores, uh, people from distribution centers, people in manufacturing, for example, people who used to manually look at um, quality in our products uh, to make sure that they were not defective because, of course, Levi's pride itself on its quality that never goes out of style and can last on for generations. These people have now learned to code and have automated that. Another example of how we are doing what used to be manual, now automated across the company. And since that first bootcamp, we have now trained almost 200 people around the world in machine learning skills. Just fascinating. I really appreciate uh, you sharing those perspectives. And it certainly brings to mind the fact that the pace of change uh, in this realm is so dramatic that it requires a, an ongoing education and a, and a curiosity such that one is striving for the skills of the future as opposed to simply resting on the laurels of those of the past. Um, so it certainly makes, it makes a lot of sense. Speaking of, of which, you have done a lot of learning to get to where you are uh, in the role that you have. Uh, you began your professional career, if I'm not mistaken, as a as a reporter 
you, you are not sort of a classic, classically trained, um, you know, engineer, computer scientist who was climbing uh, ladders uh, from junior to senior roles in technology. I, I wonder if you could talk a bit about your pathway to becoming an artificial intelligence and data um, leader. Uh, what, what sorts of pivots along the way happened in order to bring that to life? So one key point that you surfaced is that people in this space come from all kinds of backgrounds. The yes, there's a stereotype and like a lot of stereotypes, it has a little bit of truth, but like a lot of stereotypes, it's not completely true. But the stereotype is usually a male, usually an engineer, uh, usually someone who has spent the entire career in one space, um, and that is less and less the truth these days. And I spoke earlier about the importance of diversity to prevent unintended consequences. That includes not just people of diverse gender and ethnicity, but also people with very different education and skill set and background. That includes people with heavy statistics background like me. Um, I've had on my teams around various companies around the world, including at Levi's, people who have physics degrees and chemistry degrees and social science degrees and people with no degrees at all, people who have never gone to college, people who have dropped out of college. So that goes to show that the world of artificial, artificial intelligence and machine learning is really quite rich and that there is a path for everyone, which was one of the reasons we created this bootcamp. In terms of my path, um, it just happened to go that way. Um, I started with a great interest in information. And when you think about it, reporting is a way to create data. It just wasn't digital data at the time. Of course, since then, everything has been digitized. And when it's digitized, that's data as we spoke earlier. But one of my first passions was really, without me knowing that, it was for information and data. And when after the fall of the Berlin Wall that I mentioned earlier, I had the chance to continue my education in the United States, that's when I became really interested in technology and machine learning. And I went on to get a PhD, very heavy in quantitative methodology as, opposed, as well as new technologies. And that set me on this path. But again, I want to reiterate that everyone has a chance to work in this field as long as we uh, willing to engage in this lifelong learning that I mentioned. A very inspiring story. I, as I was uh, you know, creating my own hypotheses before speaking with you, I, I wondered, um, you know, being a great reporter or, or, or somebody who's involved in media is, is at least partially being a good storyteller. And creating great algorithms is also, there's a degree of storytelling necessary there. There's a you know, something you're hoping to uncover. There's an if-then set of uh, uh, sort of scenarios that you're 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 piecing together. I, I wonder um, if there are other kinds of advantages of your early background in the way in which you've now oriented yourself in your current set of responsibilities. In my case, I would say, when it comes to having been uh, trained as a journalist to begin with, it teaches you a skill to listen 
to gather information, to relate to all kinds of people, to extract that information and to create patterns, which is actually what artificial intelligence is. Machine learning is all about understanding patterns from unstructured data. And that's what journalism is. There is a whole new field now, not that new anymore, of data journalism. It's really about storytelling, including visualization through data. Great and fascinating response. I appreciate that. Katya, we, we've talked about so many different uh, relevant trends uh, that are at the centerpiece of, of the, or, or a variety of centerpieces of, of your areas of responsibility. Are any others that we've not covered that uh, particularly interest you as you look to the future? What really excites me about the technology that we have at our fingertips today is that we can change entire paradigms and in industries. So if you take apparel, and retail. The industry has been around, you manufacture something and then you sell. But today with the technologies and the data we have available to us, we can actually first sell and then manufacture, completely flipping that paradigm. Online, whether it's immersive environments like the metaverse or your regular e-commerce shopping or social media shopping, you can actually put prototypes of new products and designs and see what the interest of consumers is and then manufacture to the specific demand that you see around the world. Now, not only is that interesting intellectually, it also has a great potential for our sustainability goals because there will be no more waste anymore. We will be manufacturing only what consumers need and nothing else. A very exciting reality. I appreciate you sharing that that uh, that, that anecdote. I, w- I mentioned at the outset, you also have served on the board of multiple uh, organizations. And I, I wonder if you can offer some thoughts about the pathway towards that as well as the advantages uh, of having somebody like uh, with your background on boards of organizations like the ones that you serve on? Well, I I love the opportunity to be engaged with different organizations because it enriches my current role and the ability I have to help um, Levi Strauss and company even more because I learn more from other companies. And when you are in this field, Yes, there are differences uh, depending on the industry and the company and the geography, but there are also a lot of commonalities. And there's so many companies that are now in the same um, position. They're all looking to um, stay relevant and gain a competitive advantage through digital capabilities. So I learn a lot from them and then I bring it back to Levi's. And of course, what I learned at Levi's to the extent that it's relevant and there's no conflict of interest, I can also share with other organizations. And the path to that is really being a, building a great expertise back to that lifelong learning, uh, delivering value for the organizations that we get to serve and being open to also exploring something new. Well, your response dovetails nicely to the last uh, point I wanted to raise with you. And that is, I mean, you've mentioned a number of things that you think are critical factors that make a lot of sense in terms of success in these realms, remaining curious, being a lifelong learner, uh, developing these pathways and, and striving for the skills of the future. Um, I wonder, as you reflect on your remarkable rise um, 
other difference makers along the way for you, especially the extent to which that, that, that might provide advice for others who might wish to follow in your footsteps? I'd be curious as to what insights you have from that perspective. I feel like I have a long way to go. Uh, maybe that's one way of getting to where I am because I'm never satisfied with where I have currently landed. Although it's it's truly a privilege to be at Levi Strauss and Company in this storied brand. Um, and it's a huge responsibility actually to be a steward of that brand. Uh, but nevertheless, I, I never feel like I'm done. So uh, maybe that's a, one way to keep going. Um, and in any life, in any story, there are so many different dimensions that have helped get it there. I was lucky enough to be born later than my mother, for example. My mother, who recently passed away, sadly, uh, was a very smart woman, certainly a huge influence in my mind and in my life. And she was an incredible role model, but she didn't quite have the opportunities that I had because most of her life was spent in a communist country behind the Iron Curtain, which was not just a metaphor. It was very real in the isolation and the limitation of opportunities that it involved. So I also had opportunities that others have not, and I fully recognize that, and I'm grateful for that. Um, there's also a mindset, certainly. I have been open to trying new things. As much as I've been scared, I have taken risks. Uh, whether it's to uh, go to completely different continents, to change industries, to feel like I have so much to learn and yet do it anyway. And they have been amazing people. I'm not going to name them, but I love people actually as much as I love technology. I love people even more. And they have been wonderful mentors that I learned from all the time, including people that are much younger than me and um, they look to me to mentor them, but I actually get mentorship from them. Thank you so much for those reflections as well, Katya. Uh, Katya Walsh, thank you so much for a, a really remarkable conversation. Uh, you, uh, we spoke in a different context about the importance of storytelling. You certainly are a great storyteller and have a wonderful story to tell, in fact, about, about your life and your career. I, I'm grateful you, you uh, took some time to tell it here. Well, I'd love to learn more about your story, Peter. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm sure you have a great story yourself, but thank you. Thank you so much.